This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. How does one anticipate transitions in life? And more importantly, why are transitions so critical to our development as a leader? In this episode, I chat with Mike Fries, the executive director of the Charlotte Eagles, an organization on mission to glorify God and see lives transformed by sharing the message of Jesus through the global environment of soccer. How they go about doing this is through coaching, camps, soccer teams, and tours. I first met Mike years ago while living in Augusta, Georgia, and I'll tell you, his family is dear to ours. Before leading the Eagles, Mike was the head soccer coach at Westminster Schools of Augusta, and under Mike's leadership, their soccer team won nine GISA state championships. This is an impressive accomplishment for anyone, but what is more impressive is his attitude on life and how he approaches his role as a coach on and off the field. In this episode, Mike and I talk about our role as a function and not an identity. We talk about hearing God's voice, being in community, not allowing results to become more important than the process. And as we look at all these ideas, we then find we are more willing to step into transitions with success. The bottom line, I think you will enjoy today's podcast. If you've been following along or you're new to the Culture Bus Tools podcast, I release a new episode on the first of every month. These are published on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and even Google Play. I've heard from many of you these podcasts are helpful and encouraging, and I really thank you for your feedback. Please consider sharing with your family and friends, and if you haven't rated or reviewed the show, please consider doing that today. Okay, let's listen in as Mike challenges us in the area of transitions. Um, so thanks for joining us, man. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Chris, and uh, do appreciate uh, spending the time with you and being able to just kind of talk through this with you, and hopefully it'll be helpful to other people. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about, you know, your current leadership role, what you're doing in Charlotte, and how you're practicing that, that mindset, that temporary way of thinking. Well, sure. My, uh, my current role is I'm the executive director of the Charlotte Eagles, and Charlotte, uh, the Charlotte Eagles are a nonprofit soccer ministry. So basically, we use uh, the tool of soccer to impact youth between the ages of 8 and 23 for the kingdom. Uh, it's that simple. It's uh, We want to reach reach people for Christ, and the tool that we've been gifted with um, is the tool of soccer. And um, so what my day-to-day looks like right now is basically overseeing pretty much every aspect of the ministry from uh, our teams that we run to our urban neighborhood that we uh, have in place to camps, to clinics, to international tours. And so it, it encompasses quite a bit, and it's quite broad. How I've been able to approach um, every day as if it's my last day. I would, once again, I think I alluded to this earlier. I don't always do it well, but um, my hope is that each day as I wake up in the morning and I spend time in committing the day to the Lord and, and committing the organization before the Lord, um, is that, is that I put myself in a place where he can just use me. And, um, so I think I am able to approach every day with, uh, just understanding that the relationships that he's gifted me with are really, really important and not take them for granted. Um, The details that come up in the day um, are really important, and they have kind of a a collective effect over time. And uh, if I can leave the organization just a little bit better after today and move us forward just a little bit better each day um, with the gifts that God's given to me, then 
Um, I feel like I've stepped into his calling for me on that day is I, I kind of break it into two different areas. There's kind of the practical side of that. And then there's the relational side of it. The practical side is, is just, you know, obviously using your gifting as a leadership, as a leader to make sure that you have everything in place for the next person that comes in, whether that's databases or um, roadmaps or, or anything like that. So a new leader could literally walk in. If I got hit by a bus, a new leader could walk in and be gifted with all the details of what they needed to do the job. The second part of that is the relational part of that. And that's actually has to do with a thing that I'm really passionate about and we're trying to get here with our organization, but almost preparing people within your organization to replace you. Um, not holding on to your leadership so closely, but rather identifying people within the organization that you could see two to three years, four years down the road, we're actually replacing you and your job. And um, I think I think when you're able to do that, then you're better prepared for those transition moments where, you know, a guy does call you to something different and it's like, okay, well, we've, we've been preparing for this all along and we have somebody who can step in right away and, and continue forward with it. And then the maybe unintended side of that is that you're also preparing people to lead should they get called into other organizations and um, yeah. just by investing relationally into somebody. Man, that's, that's good. I, I like that. I mean, I think that it's important and I'm, I'm, I'm learning that two things are kind of happening all the time in my leadership. One is there's entropy. So entropy is the moral decay of everything. Everything is falling apart. Sin entered the world and there's nothing that's going to stay whole forever. You know, everything's going to fall apart, which is why I feel like this idea of multiplication, replication, like even what you're talking about, um, you know, preparing to transition, how much I need to have that on my mind because things are falling apart. Um, if I can focus on this idea of multiplication, I focus on this idea of replication, um, helping people transition, like that I'm not the owner of what I have, that I'm a steward of what I've been given, that I have a mindset that this is temporary. So that means that I need to be ready to hand off something that helps me embrace entropy when it rears its nasty head. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that even? Yeah, sure. No, I, it definitely resonates with me, although that's a really big word that I've never said before, um, entropy, but um, definitely resonates with, with me as a person. I mean, probably the, the one, as I've transitioned over the last uh, year, year and a half, one of the things that I think I was most proud of in my transition, specifically um, transitioning away from being a soccer coach at a high school um, into a new job was that... I had been able to invest over the previous six, seven years before that, preparing somebody to step into that role. And uh, it just made the transition so much more seamless. Easier is not the right word, but um, just gave me a peace knowing that I could, I could literally hand the baton to the next guy who had been prepared for the past six or seven years and that he literally could be off to the races with it versus fumbling it or trying to figure out what do I do with this thing? Um, they were, he was prepared just to run with it. Yeah, that's so good. So, I mean, I think the key for us here is who is the person that we're helping navigate through our temporary 
transition. <laughs> you know, like we're all in transition, right? So you know, I think you even said the last time we talked that a huge tension leaders face is stepping into what God has called them to do each day and at the same time being ready should God call them to do something different. So, I mean, talk about that tension, how you're fresh into this. So how do you navigate through that? How does a leader navigate through that? Yeah, I would say that's that's definitely a, a tension that is in place because, you know, I'm stepping into this new role and I really have no desire or even thoughts of shifting away from it. Um, I actually see myself, people ask me, how long do you see yourself here? And I just say indefinitely. I love what I'm doing every day. I feel like it's something that God's equipped me to do and he's called me into, and that's always a great combination. But there, there is the tension of feeling like you're called to a place, wanting to show up every day and kill it, but at the same time making sure that you're investing in the next, um, in the next generation of leaders, um, investing in the yeah. next person that could potentially take your, your position. And, um, you know, whether that means you're moving out of the organization or it could even mean you're moving up in the organization. And it's just, um, somebody who's just kind of following, following behind you, but it is, it is a huge tension that, um, that you have to live with, but I just think we have to be faithful about it. We have to be disciplined with it. Always be looking to um, develop the next generation of leaders and develop the next leader that even could step into your place and not, once again, that's, I think that goes back to just approaching things from a temporary mindset of realizing that, hey, God could call you out of this and call somebody into it. And there's even cases within organizations where you realize, and I've seen this firsthand, you realize like, okay, this guy that I've been training is actually better equipped to do this job than I'm equipped to do it. And then what do you do with that? Yeah. <laughs> do you hold on to it tightly and closely or do you need to put your pride to the side and humble yourself and say, I really think that this guy is more equipped. I'm willing to shift someplace else to help the organization, but I really think that this guy is better equipped uh, to lead this aspect of what we do. Good. Maybe you could transition us into um, this conversation of coaching. You're a coach. Um, and when um, we talked last, you talked a lot about how Jesus is our coach and it's his team. And you had a bunch of language that you used. Talk about that place of submission, um, that um, humility and um, having this kind of mindset. Um, until mm -hmm. he tells me that I'm something different. Yeah. So good. I love it. You had also talked a little bit about our role is a function and not an identity, which I, which I found that to be an incredible statement and one that I think we need to wrestle with a bit. What did you mean by that? Um, as it relates to this being in a place of submission, having a mindset, a temporary mindset, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And I would, I would maybe uh, define it in one sentence. What we are doing is not the definition of who we are. Yeah, right. Good. What we're doing is not the definition of who we are. So I would going back to, you know, being a soccer player, playing on a soccer team. And then from my perspective, being a, being a coach, you know, you have 18 to 20 players on your team. Um, some of them are goal scorers. Some of them are defenders. Some of them don't play very much. Some of them play a ton. Some of them sit on the bench and serve others. Um, that role that you play within that team does not determine the value of who you are. Um, yeah, that's good. The, the value of who you are is your identity in Christ. Obviously it's, it's who God says you are, that you're, that you're special, that you're chosen, that you're a son of God. Um, 
I think that can get caught, that can get lost a lot in leadership when you're living in a world of uh, talents and gifts and, um, you know, normally people that are more talented and more gifted tend to tend to rise to the top. The challenge in leadership can be investing in and um, just working with people that are at every phase and making sure that they know that they are, um, you know, they're special in God's eyes first and foremost. And what they are doing yeah. is not necessarily what identifies them. I think you see this in the sports world a lot. You have the kid who's last on the bench and you have the kid who's the all-star starter. And yeah. it's always the fact that the kid who's the all-star starter um, is where most of the attention lies. And I yeah. think as a leader, it's your responsibility to make sure that you invest in every single kid equally mm-hmm. and make sure that that last kid knows and understands they're special. They have a very specific role that they play on this team, and that role is valued. Yeah, that's good, Mike. Uh, you had that. mentioned this role as a function and not an identity. And when we were talking, you talked a little bit about you know, how important it is to be strategic in that way. And you talked a little bit about hearing God's voice, um, not functioning in silos, having, you know, people speak in biblical community to you. I mean, I mean, is that how you live in that role as a function and not an identity? I mean, yeah, I think a couple of things having, you know, surrounding yourself with people who can and will speak into your life, I think is very, very important so that when you're making decisions and you're responding to something, you're not doing it in a silo. I don't think that Many good decisions are made in silos, personally. I think um, the best decisions are made in concert with other people, even if, they're, even if the final decision is one person's call. Yeah. Um, it just, I, and I think it puts you in a position where you're better able to respond to the Spirit's prompting in different things, especially when that can be confirmed in what other people say and uh, confirm with you. So, yeah, I just think that that's, that's really important. Um, one of my, I think I shared with you one of my kind of life scriptures is found in Matthew 26, the parable of the talents. Yeah. Uh, maybe just to segue a little bit there is, is that's probably a passage I've spent way more time than most people have in just because it resonates with me so much. Um, and I, but I do think it um, do. connects with, with the ability to not just hear God's calling, but also react to it as well. If, if you're familiar with that parable, the parable of the talents of the three guys who um, each, were, each were given a responsibility uh, by their master, a similar responsibility, and responded in different ways. And, you know, obviously the three guys, the first two guys responded out of stewarding it extremely well and uh, taking what their, the master had given them and... Uh, like I said, stewarding it well, doubling it, making it better. Um, whereas the third guy basically hit it and had a reaction of fear. Um, yeah. And I just think that when we're when we're all alone, when we're trying to make decisions alone, when we're uh, you know in a position where we can't bring others in to kind of hear his voice, then my tendency, my personal tendency, has been to is to is to follow the the third. Um, the third servant's response, which has been, I tend towards responding out of fear. Um, yeah. I tend towards not necessarily taking what God has given me and stewarding it well. Um, but when I've had people around me that can speak truth into it, 
and, and to who I am and what God's done for me and what God is calling me to do, then it really catapults me towards the response of the, maybe the first two servants of being willing to take the risk to invest it and try and steward it well. Um, there was no guarantee that if they tried that they were going to come back with a proper result. It doesn't really talk about that. But um, at the same time, I think when I have community around me, I'm way more um, able to step into, you know, making sure I take the appropriate risk and stewarding the things that God's called me to do well. Mm, that's good. I love that, Mike. Yeah, I think I think this has been really great, and it's been fun to talk to you and hear um, I, val- I value the things that you have to say, but I mean, I've seen you in, in a successful role as coaching. I mean, how many, so when you were at Westminster, um, coaching, you won a couple state championships. Am I correct? How many did you actually win? That's correct. I, I actually won nine. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know many people that have done that. That's kind of impressive. So there's, there's something there that, uh, I think this kind of concept, this mindset that you have, I mean, I wish my kids could spend time with you on the soccer field. Um, and I, I know that I'm trying to figure out how to get the Eagles mindset in my kids. So maybe that might happen one day, but, um, I, I appreciate you, man. I'm grateful for your leadership and you clearly have a track record for it. And I think I see that in what you're talking about, this proper mindset, and then just being in a position to hear and understand God's calling. Um, there, there are a couple things that I, that I think we could take from this, and I've tried to, uh, you know, put them in a couple sticky statements, maybe one or well, I've got five ideas here that I just wanted to um, throw out here, and then you tell me if you agree or not. So, so what do we do from here? Like just some of the things that you've even shared, um, and some of the conversation that we've had. I think number one, we need to have a cult, a countercultural mindset. Um, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And is there anything that you would want to add to that? Like what is a counter cultural mindset? Well, I mean, obviously it's, it's what the words say. It's, it goes against culture and, you know, maybe an example of something counter cultural that maybe I'm most proud of. We, you know, I don't like to talk about, state championships and stuff like that. Um, honestly, that even kind of gets, when I have to tell you how many I've won, uh, kind of just makes my skin go all heebie-jeebie. But um, at the same time, I think the the thing I'm most proud of that I think is countercultural and all that is that in those years, we never talked about state championships. Yeah. We, we talked about the process that we were going to go through every single day in order to make success as players, as Christians, as young men of God or women of God. And Mm, the rest of the stuff would take care of itself. If God had it for us to win a state championship, great. But if we weren't able to do the little things that God was calling us to do every single day, it would not amount to what God had for us. And Mm, we approached, I think, every season that way. We would never kind of say, well, we won it last year, therefore we're going to do the same thing this year. We would say, no, it's a new season, a new calling. God has different things for us, and we just need to commit to what we're going to do every single day to respond to him. Um, And so it was really championships were a byproduct 
of us just trying to pursue the little things, the details that God calls to on a daily basis. And I think, yeah. I personally think that's a countercultural approach. Man, that's so good. We always start with, we want to be the best, you know, win the biggest thing, be at the top of the ladder, but very rarely do we really focus on, hey, it's the little things that we do every day that make the difference. And then where we end up um, is to be determined. That's good. So the process is greater than progress. And it sounds like, and that's how to have a countercultural mindset. That's good. Okay. So I think the second thing is to be in community. Um, I mean, you would agree with that. I'm sure. Talk a little bit, maybe more touch on that. I just, I just think we're made to be in community. I mean, you look all throughout scripture, um, you know, it's just over and over again, it talks about uh, being in community with each other and how that strengthens us. And, and uh, um, it's exponential in nature. And uh, I just think once again, in, in leadership, my experience has been that I always have to have community no matter where I go, community to encourage me, community to spur me on, community to, to hold me accountable. Um, to the things that God's calling me to do. Um, that's why a lot of times, you know, you see in sports, um, you can you can have a team of you can have a team of superstars that really don't accomplish anything. But if you have a team of people that are all just focused on one end goal and one pursuit, and they're holding each other accountable and spurring each other on, then they're they usually are a lot more successful. Um, yeah. And I think that that also just relates back to just our leadership and our walk in Christ as well. That's good. Okay. So the key to transitions is to have a countercultural mindset. Number one, number two, to be in community. And I think the third thing is that it's important that each day we remember that God gives us something to steward and we should treat it as it is the last thing that we may ever get. Absolutely. That's why honestly, Chris, I gotta be careful here, but it breaks my heart when I hear of like players who have um, just they have they have real negative interactions with coaches because the coach is so um, so focused on the result um, versus the moments that he has with speaking into that kid's life and influencing that kid and and walking the journey with that kid when the result becomes more important than the process that is in play of impacting and influencing that kid. It just breaks my heart. Um, yeah. That's good, Mike. I, I, it breaks my heart too, because I've experienced that. I've had that experience to me. So um, it's a good point to remember. Um, so I would say, so yeah, so have a countercultural mindset, be in community, remember each day that God's given us something to steward tree. That's the last thing we've got. And then number four, from what I'm hearing for you is that we need to pursue what we're doing wholeheartedly and navigate the tension of the calling. So talk a little bit about that because, because I know we talked about it offline, but um, you talked a little bit about it today, but like, what, what does that mean to, to pursue what we're doing wholeheartedly and navigate the tension of the calling? Yeah. Once again, I, 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 I simply think that every single morning, we need to get up as leaders. We need to commit what we're doing to the Lord every single morning, and we need to hold it with open hands. God, what do you have for us today? Um, we need to be thankful that God has gifted 
us with with specific talents and gifts, but be in a in a position of saying, God, how would you have me use these today? Um, I do think that we need to yeah. always be in a position where we are investing in others. We are investing uh, in younger leaders and those that we know we can have an influence and, and impact and, um, you know, potentially push them into areas that they can either take over from us, take over parts of what we do, um, or even, um, you know, step into other organizations and, and be leaders. And, uh, and yeah, there's, there's definitely the tension on me. I'll be honest with you in, in my leadership role right here, I'm a year in and I'm already thinking about, okay, God, please help me identify one or two leaders that could step into my role in three to five years time. Not that I'm wow. going anywhere or want yeah. to go anywhere, but if, if I'm able to do that, and that God does call me somewhere else, we're, we're definitely prepared. Or if, who knows, we have somebody at a different office because we have three offices who God calls them somewhere else. Maybe I've trained up somebody here in Charlotte that could step into another office um, and lead that office as well. Um, so, That's yeah, good. it's just really, really, really important that, that I'm investing in, um, in that next generation or that next step of leaders. Um, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I, I would say that um, I know that I did a podcast a while back ago. Um, it's episode three, but um, I talked about leadership replication and four stages. I think that that's been helpful for me. And, um, you know, how do you actually bring someone alongside you and, and help them, you know, see what you do, own what you do, and, you know, in a proper way. So that would be a resource for people to check out in case they're like, how, how do you practically do that? That might be something worth checking out. Um, okay, so lastly, the last thing I would say, and that I just really got from you, and I've just been thinking about this a lot, is that God is our coach um, and that he calls us to be on the field or not. And so I, I think I need to be in a position that no matter what he called me to do, whatever he's asked me to do, that I do it in, in the most excellent way. Um, so that's kind of the, the biggest thing that I've gotten out of this, or maybe the fifth thing that I've learned from just hearing you talk. Um, maybe you could close us out just by kind of sharing a little bit, anything more that you'd want us to know about that. We can be, we can wrap our time up. I would say, you know, where we started off, we were, we were just talking about transitions and, um, you know, I think that, and I, I think I've talked to you a little bit before about this, but we just never know when transitions are going to come in our life because sure. they're just not predictable. And yeah. so given that we've never really know when we need to be prepared for a transition, there's really not a runway. And that's why, you know, and I've alluded to this, I think the day-to-day, -day, our mindset and what we do every single day is so important in preparing us for transitioning should God lead us into something different. Mm -hmm. um, I really believe, and this is something that, whether it's been a coach or a leader in an organization or whatever it's been, is that I've always kind of talked to our staff, our players, et cetera, about, hey, don't take short shortcuts, right? God's preparing you. There's never a time when he's not. So every single moment and every single opportunity you have is an opportunity for you to learn and grow. So don't take shortcuts when you do that. The details matter. Every single little thing you do 
they matter. Um, and um, I think the journey and those day by day, um, you know, day by day commitments prepare you for transition. And I think yeah. that does for me, those are the, some of the most important things um, that if I would want to communicate with people is to say, you want to prepare well for a transition? Well, yeah, have a, have an open mindset and know that it's temporary and you're steward. But in the meantime, also you're called to kill it every single day in everything yeah. you do. And you're yeah. not called to take shortcuts. And it's by doing those things that's going to prepare you for anything that God has for you. That's good, Mike. Well, I, I appreciate you joining us today. Um, I hope that, you know, those that have been able to listen are encouraged. And, you know, if there's anything that you'd want us to, you know, um, talk about on the podcast, or maybe you want us to come and, and give your church or a business uh, and provide or provide a collaborative training opportunity for your church or your business. We, we'd love to do that. So, um, you know, feel, feel free to shoot us, shoot me an email at Chris rivers at culturebus.cc. Uh, and I'd love to help you take a next step. So thanks for joining us today on the culture bus tools podcast. Uh, we'll see you next month.